Welcome to the Spirituality of Strength Training with your host, Anna Willard. This podcast is dedicated to bring you knowledge, wisdom, inspiration, and guidance to wherever you may be on your health journey. For those who are new to me, I am a kettlebell strength coach, a movement nerd ninja, and an empowerment coach on a mission to bring you hope through our health. The root word of health comes from wholeness. The root word of wholeness comes from holy. Despite our differences with religion and spiritual beliefs, we are all human beings with a body that is designed to reflect this holiness through our health. It wasn't until my seventh year as a health profession where I went into a deep awakening of understanding what does it mean to train my spirit and to heal my spirit through the physical. You will hear a little bit more about my story from other health professionals, from strength coaches, psychiatrists, spiritual gurus and leaders, to other people who talk about the importance of our health as a community body and the health of our planet as well. This podcast is to allow us to step into our whole health, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Thank you for being here. If you love what you hear, I encourage you to subscribe. If you want more inspiration and quotes from these podcasts, I encourage you to follow me on Instagram at Anna underscore Willard underscore. I encourage you to do a little bit of a movement, either yoga flow, go for a walk, sit in nature as you enjoy this episode. Welcome, Strong Ones. We have a special guest today. Her name is Rachel Paz. She is a coach for women defining life on their own terms, but still being sufficient by all of their tiny obligations. They're feeling tired and still aren't quite getting where they want to go. She helps women turn up the volume on their yeses, delivers graceful, graceful no's, and connects to their own inner guidance so they can live from being more authentically themselves without layers of expectations from others. Rachel, I am very excited to have you on and I'm super excited just the synchronicities of our schedules lining up for us to be able to do this. Yes, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. It's always fun when it works that way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when you know it's right. Yes. Um, for today's topic, this is um, the first time, usually I have guests and we just kind of go over all the different topics, but today I wanted to focus more on what I'm kind of referring to as the heaviness of the holidays, meaning sometimes holidays can be a lot more stressful to some people than that happiness that we looked forward to. So I know we chatted a little bit. I don't even remember where we started with our conversation with that, but for those who have more of, um, let's say maybe anxiety around the holidays with that, what are some of the biggest tips that you can give with this heaviness of the holidays? Um, I think that the tips that I would offer would be first and foremost, like asking yourself how you want to spend the holidays and 
as much as you can making that an option. Mm -hmm. Um, and so whether that's like, um, you going out on your own totally and doing something entirely different, um, or, you know, like I would love to spend the holidays like by myself in Hawaii or <laughs> the beach of Mexico. <laughs> so like, is that an option? Okay. Maybe not. Cause I have a 10 year old who really loves Christmas and Santa and all of right. that. Yeah. So, um, okay. So he loves Santa. What are the things I can do to still enjoy the holidays without it being all about him and the things that he wants? Um, and the same with the rest of my family. So what are the things that you want? Um, and then how can you incorporate like ways for yourself to enjoy the things that you're committing to? How can you be a full yes to the things you say yes to is really um, kind of the bottom line. And then saying no to everything else. If you can't be in it all the way, it's actually not fun for you or the people you're doing it with. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give an example of when someone said, like, may have said yes to either an event or committed to something that they really didn't want to and how that may have that ripple effect of not having it be the best event for everyone? Sure. So like my first family Christmas after I got divorced <laughs> was uh, was like – I wanted my kiddo to have the benefit of like having his dad around. My family celebrates Christmas on Christmas Eve together. So my parents and my brother and his family. And, um, and I was like, sure, my ex-husband can come. And I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to spend Christmas with him. And so we sort of spent the evening like trying not to piss each other off and trying like to stay out of each other's space. And everybody in the family kind of had to tiptoe as a result of it. And it just didn't feel that good. And Mm so in hindsight, like I should have just said, you know what, I'm not ready. Um, And it would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah. Now, sometimes when some people say no or yes, depending on what it is, on to make sure that they're like in a good alignment for how they want to spend the holidays. Sometimes that has repercussions of family members being upset that they're either like kind of changing the course with family traditions. How can you, or what are some of the um, advice that you give those people of how to deal with some of those repercussions of staying true to yourself with making sure like you're staying aligned with how you want to do the holidays, but still honoring to the family and the people you're celebrating with? I think that's a really good question and really gets to fundamentally the, the way that I work with women about like, it is your life. It is nobody else's life to decide how you live it. And so people making, like you making choices that are going to make other people happy will only result in you not really living the life you want to live. And so I'm a big fan of, I mean, don't, don't follow your dreams and leave everybody else in the dirt behind you or the dust. But at the same time, really like, um, feel, how can I say this? It's important that, um, so one of, okay. uh, One of the things that we get tripped up on is when we are like, I'm going to go do this. Like I'm going to go to Hawaii for the holidays and mom and dad, like, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to figure it out without me this year. Mm -hmm. Um, is that we feel bad and our feeling bad, our lack of being a hundred percent on board with the choice we have made mm. is what lets other people energetically have the space to question it. 
Hmm. If you're like mom and dad, I'm going to Hawaii for the holidays. I love you very much. Your packages will be under the tree or in the mail right. or, you know, what I'll spend, you know, New Year's Eve with you or whatever. Um, there's not any space for them to object. I mean, they might have an opinion about it. They might be grumbly, but like, it's not, you're not asking permission. It's not a conversation. You've made your choice and you have shared like why it's important to you and what you're going to do and like what they can expect. It's not a debate. So oftentimes the, the thing that gets in the way of us really having the holidays that we want is our like hesitation around whether it's okay. Mm. And that hesitation opens the door for all kinds of like, like I said, energetic uh, negotiation, really. Mm-hmm. So how do you help your clients get to a place where they can make that decision like a hundred percent stand in that decision without some of those repercussions affecting them? Well, I think you have to know <laughs> what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so without the repercussions affecting them. Well, here's the thing is you can't control how other people react to your choices. Right. So there's not really a way to like guard against the repercussions. Um, One of the things that you can do is prior to making a decision about something like that, really asking people what's important to them, what they not saying, Hey, here's kind of what I'm thinking. What do you think about that? But really saying like, Hey kiddo, like, I was thinking that we should do something different for Christmas this year. Can you tell me what things about Christmas are really important to you? Mm -hmm. And then he's telling me like, I really need the tree. I really want to do, you know, I really want to make Christmas cookies or whatever those things are that are important to him. And then I get to decide like, can I weave those into the plan that I'm making for myself? Mm -hmm. And, And so then when I come back to him with like, here's my decision, my decision isn't made in a vacuum. It's made with consideration of what's important to him. Mm. Um, and so it works for both of us oftentimes. And that's when it's like, great, this is what we're doing. There's no back, like, this is not a negotiation any longer, but I often collect, you know, like what feels important? What do you want to have happen? Mm-hmm. Not as a way to decide for me what I'm doing, but to take into consideration what's important to others so that we can all win. Cause when we're honest about what we want, like I actually truly believe there's a way that everybody gets what they want. Mm. Yeah. So is that more just self-work or is that more of meeting people face on in that vulnerable state of being true to not just the expectations of the holidays, but because I'm thinking of more like the family traditions of like, hey, I don't want to do this family tradition anymore. Are you going to be okay with this? These are some of the other things that I'm willing to do. How do you encourage your clients to start some of those conversations? Because I know sometimes those are a heavier conversation than just like, I want a Christmas tree and I want to do cookie cutters or like the um, Christmas cookies. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of those traditions have like deep roots. And when someone wants to uproot some of those traditions, how can you, what's your advice going into those conversations of being true to celebrating as a family or with your loved ones, but maybe not participating in some of the traditions? Well, so I think that the brief answer to question, the brief answer to your question is both. Like it, 
it is self work. hundred uh-huh. percent. Like if you're not right with yourself in terms of your choices or what you want, um, that will never be conveyed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to, you have to get to the rightness with you first. And then secondly, like having the vulnerable conversations is actually a part of the self work. Um, once you are right, how do you communicate what really matters to you? Mm. Um, as far as like those deep rooted traditions go, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for traditions, but mm-hmm. the one thing that I know to be true in life is that life changes. <laughs> like, yeah. and the more that we try to hold on to those things really, really tightly, the the less we make way for like what I would say the magic that wants to come through. Like mm-hmm. I I think I actually believe that stirring the pot is a good idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, people aren't always hundred percent happy or hundred percent comfortable through all of it, but I think it's not that I disrespect the traditions. It's that I think that there is always something like when you put people in a room or in a space together, like they co-create things, right? Mm -hmm. I bring my energy, you bring your energy and together we've got this thing that's kind of separate from us, but created by us. Mm -hmm. And that as years go on and new people come into the family and some people go like those things shift and that honoring the energy of like what's present for the group of people involved is actually important. Mm. So seeing it as the community body basically too. Yeah. 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 Do you um, have any, I know sometimes the holidays can be a little heated sometimes with family members coming together. Um, Either they haven't seen each other for a long time and there's a lot of things that are said that can be hurtful um, with the fact of the hurt almost being like a longing of like, I miss you or, um, the lack of words of saying, I love you, that type of stuff. How do you help manage people or how do you help people manage some of those um, hurtful conversations in a way that's still honorable to themselves, but also honorable to what we were referring earlier as the community body? Mm. I don't know if you're going to like my answer. Okay. (laughs) That's totally fine. This is where I get to learn then. (laughs) I, I don't think avoiding conflict is helpful. I don't think that like pushing things under the rug is useful. Mm -hmm. Um, And granted, it's not always the time to pick a fight or to like, we're going to have this out now, but I, so like you said, honoring yourself. What's the thing that what's the thing that you need to say or do to feel good about your participation in this event? Does that mean you're not gonna like acknowledge Uncle John who's over there in the corner who's like the creepy uncle and <laughs> you've always had sort of a weird relationship with him? Does that mean that you can't go because if he's gonna be there, you can't participate fully? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how how can you honor yourself? Um, and sometimes that is, and I think you and I talked about this, sometimes that is just a quiet, like affirmation to yourself that the thing this person is saying, you know, isn't true. Mm. Um, 
I, you know, this person may not respect my business or the way I live my life, but I feel good about the way I live my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and even if you're saying that to yourself and not making a huge ruckus at the table, great. That that's one way. But I also think that the holidays are often a time where people like drink too much. Number one, I think alcohol plays a huge part in family conflict around the holidays. Mm -hmm. And so if you know yourself to get triggered after you've had a couple of cocktails and people start getting loose with their conversations, like maybe pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. Um, how much you're consuming and, and like your filter for, Oh, well, my brother's had three beers now, so I'm not even going to acknowledge that com that comment because it's not going to get us anywhere. Um, those kinds of things. Right. Um, but the other thing is just really in any given moment, kind of asking for what you need. Um, you know, my, my mom makes a really big deal out of Thanksgiving. It's her thing. And, yeah. and on Thanksgiving morning, she was like, could you come get breakfast? Cause I need to start cooking. And I was like, is it inconvenient for you that I need to eat breakfast? And she was like, Oh no. And I was like, well then could you ask me a different way? Mm. So sometimes it's just giving people the opportunity to see their behavior and give them a do over. Yeah. I often will say like, do you want to ask that a different way? Or do you want to have a do over with that interaction? Like it's easy to get kind of caught up in the stress or the heat of like, I got things to do. And, um, and, and sometimes just like allowing a reset can be really helpful. Yeah. Well, and, um, one of the things I liked about your bio was the graceful nose and how you just gave that example right there. It was just like, you handled it with grace versus like allowing it to trigger you to come almost like validate your trigger to react a certain way with your mother on that, but taking that step back and being like, no, is what's the situation really about here? Yeah. Right. Like I'm not bringing all of my baggage with my mom into this one interaction. Right. <laughs> right. So it's not mom, you always talk to me like I'm inconveniencing you. And remember that one time, like it's not, it's just like, Okay. I'm like, I think that's part of it too, is really coming at people with, um, that beginner's mindset mm -hmm. of like, how would you treat a stranger who is saying this to you? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, would, would you give them a the benefit of the doubt? Would you be like, Oh, maybe they're just having a stressful day. Oh, maybe, you know, it, and I'm not then having to like, connect all the story threads of like how my mom has tortured me my entire life and she's always out to get me right then it's just like oh like if a stranger spoke to me like that I might let it go but if it was a stranger I had to spend the rest of the day with <laughs> I would probably say something so I'm going to say something yeah do you have another example something like that of how to handle the situation of allowing and giving this like almost reset for the conversation or the situation hmm Sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, I do. It's, so I, my, my son is autistic. And okay. um, so he often will craft ideas about how the day is going to go in his head, especially on the holidays. He carries his holiday tr traditions like super strong. Yeah. <laughs> right. So in his mind, you say, uh, we're going to make Christmas cookies. 
And like, I might have in my mind that we're going to make one batch of Christmas cookies and in his mind, we're going to make Christmas cookies and we are going to have 10 different colors of frosting. And we are, you know, like he's got it all figured out. And so when right. it starts to play out, if it's not going that way, it goes downhill real fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and so when I can start to see the, um, like agitation or point of where he gets frustrated, I have to pop, like, I, I'll say like, oh, let's actually like back up for a second. When we agreed to do this, here's what I was thinking. What were mm-hmm. you thinking was going to happen? Mm. And it's a way to just figure out like where the mismatch was. Like where was the mismatch of communication and expectations and what do we need to clean up so that we can start over right. or so that we can pick up from where we are? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think um, you bring up, light of expectations. There's a lot of expectations around the holidays, especially, and just voicing what other people may be expecting is completely different from the other person and like seeing where we can bring them together. So those expectations can be met. Um, I think will help eliminate a lot of, um, drama or just like the conflict that comes about some of these family traditions or, how you will spend the holidays with mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of shifting gears, we live in a society that is all about buying and giving around this hot time of year. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes it can be competitive within family members of giving the best gift to everyone else and almost having that I wouldn't say status quo, but almost that, like I gave the best gift. My best, my, my gift was the favorite one. How can, like, can you talk a little bit about that and how we have maybe moved away from the art of actually giving? Oh, the art. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) So uh, I, a couple of years ago started experimenting with, um, one of the things that plays out really frequently, especially around the holidays, but really is deeply ingrained in most women is that I will give in order to receive. Mm. And um, my experience of giving with zero expectation of receiving actually feels a thousand percent better. Yeah. And so the practice that I've established in my life is that I only give when I want to give. And I, and I will receive all the time, but I don't ever receive with the idea that I have to give in return. Mm-hmm. And it has changed my life, first of all. <laughs> but yeah. so second of all, like a couple of years ago, I started, um, I, I was feeling really crunched by the holidays and like, I wasn't willing to, you know, lose my sanity over a few gifts for people right. that like I wasn't that convinced they wanted in the first place or that they appreciated and like I just wasn't feeling it in my heart. Uh-huh. And so I didn't I didn't give any gifts. And I actually haven't given gifts for a couple of years now. Oh, and wow. in a family that does and and in a family that does a gift exchange like you look like kind of a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't care. Like, I don't care. Not, not I don't care you, you know, like it, it's, 
this year I'm giving gifts because my heart is now back in a place where I want to. Mm. And it makes all the difference. Um, and it sounds like you made sure that it, your giving was genuine, that yeah. you're not just giving to give, um, in that exchange of like, oh, she gave me this, so I need to give her this, or she spent this type of much money, oh, I need to spend this amount of money on this person type of thing. I'm just like, not necessarily a battle aspect, but it's just like matching the gift and the worth of it back and forth versus, and I guess this is what I'm referring to as the art of giving, of just to give. Yeah. Well, and that art of giving just to give, I think, comes along with really like knowing someone and paying attention Mm -hmm. and, you know, like the people in my life that I would give gifts to, like all year long, they're not dropping hints of, I really want this present, right? Mm -hmm. But they say things or the things that they do, like I have a thousand clues that if I pay attention... I could pick out a gift that would really be like a loving gesture of like my expression of how I feel about them and how fortunate I am to have them in my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when I couldn't do that, I didn't want to be the person that was like, Oh yeah, that'll do 20 bucks, 25, 50 bucks. Like I didn't want to be that person. Cause yeah. what I could see when that happened was like, Oh, this is really nice. Thanks. You know, and so then you're like, why? Like, why am I buying gifts that end up in the goodwill pile the next day? Like, that just (laughs) doesn't feel that great, number one. And it didn't feel good to give. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that really connecting to, like, what do I know about this person? Like, how, how, um, how can I really share part of myself and part of my connection with them in the form of a gift? And I think that's really artful. Yeah. Do you have any steps or any tips on how someone can understand the other person with finding the right gift that really complements them and complements that relationship? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm not a self-proclaimed, like, winner at gift giving, but but I am a good listener. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's sort of that listening and paying attention. And, and when you don't know what to give someone, like, you know, my dad is 92 years old and he does not want another, like he just doesn't, what does, what does the man need? Nothing. Right. right? Yeah. Really content. And so, um, when I'm at a loss for what thing to give, I think that giving people your words and expression of like how they've impacted your life is really, really special. Mm-hmm. Cool. Awesome. Going back to the time that you weren't giving any gifts, how was that? Um, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier of like being solid and like a hundred percent in your decision. How was that for you when like you everyone else was exchanging gifts and how was that for you also to receive gifts knowing that you didn't give any? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think two things were really helpful in the process for me is one knowing that like being really clear in my decision ahead of time, like before any of the presents started showing up or, right. you know, like I, I, it was just like, I knew that it was the right decision for me and I stood by it. Then the second part is like, understanding that there's gonna be discomfort (laughs) and and 
that like, it's not my job to make other people comfortable. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. And, and that like sitting in the discomfort for myself actually has a lot to teach me about how I feel about the thing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, um, I felt a hundred percent right with what I was doing. And as I was sitting there and gifts were being exchanged, you know, it is a really beautiful thing when people are giving gifts, gifts that, um, that are meaningful and that like are joyous to receive and to share. Like, and there was a way that I felt, um, a little bit left out of that. Like I, mm-hmm. it actually did feel like I was sort of like holding all my love for these people over here. Right. Mm-hmm. And everybody else was like here. And I was like, mm, no, I'm not doing that this year. <laughs> and so, so for me, it wasn't, oh, I feel bad or I was supposed to, and I didn't, it was, mm-hmm. oh, I actually really do love these people. And I want to have the, um, the connection to them that allows me to give gifts that are meaningful. Right? So it actually birthed this new thing in me, which was like, be more connected to the people in your life. That's cool. And so for me, that actually mm, launched into like this whole other thing of like, I don't just want to connect with my family on the holidays. I want to connect with them all year round. And I, you know, right. like those kinds of things. So it's changed my behavior, but not because of something I felt deficient in, mm. which I think is super important. Yeah. Yeah. Can you elaborate a little bit more of sitting in that discomfort? Because I think a lot of people don't even want to go there because mm-hmm. of how awkward and uncomfortable it is. Yeah. But like you just explained that it was a beautiful thing that resulted from it, that it sparked that love and that connection that you wanted with these people again. Yeah. So how do you encourage your clients to go to that place? Well, a lot of times uh, I'll give different <laughs> uh, different routes kind of depending on the um, the intensity of the situation you're walking into, right? Mm-hmm. If you were to walk into a situation where, um, you know, you had always given gifts, it was like where you knew that you would suffer some serious backlash if you didn't show up with a gift, mm. um, then I would maybe encourage you to give people a heads up right? Because mm. people can respond better when they know what's coming. Right. <laughs> and so, hey, I want you to know that I'm not not coming with gifts this year because I don't love you or because of this, like to really share your why. Right. Like, that's kind of where you have to get vulnerable. I'm not, you know, I don't have the money or I'm not feeling inspired or I don't feel like I love you right now and I don't want to give you a present. <laughs> Those, those, kinds are of hot, those are hard conversations. They are, but they open really beautiful opportunities. So if you need to prepare the people ahead of time, mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. And if you don't need to prepare people ahead of time, then I think it's a good place to really recognize your patterns. Do I feel like I need to rescue people from being uncomfortable? Mm. Do I feel like um, I'm not okay with my choices and have to be defending them. And so I, you know, spend the whole like gift giving session talking about all the reasons why I didn't buy gifts. Like, nope. <laughs> you know, so like using it as a way to be aware of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, what else would I say to like have that go smoothly? You got to know your why. You have to know why you're mm-hmm. doing the thing that you're doing. And not just why, but what do I want instead? Mm. And for me, the thing that I wanted instead was I really wanted to, I wanted to want to give these people gifts. 
And I wasn't feeling that way. And so I needed to look at why. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that want is similar to a desire to give? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what would you, do you feel like there's a distinction? Uh, I was just wanted to clarify. That was mm-hmm. it. That was it. Of just mm-hmm. like, there is that deep desire of wanting, I guess, a, that deeper meaning to give mm-hmm. for that. Um, Mm -hmm. and that what you mentioned of how it kind of sparked that desire of that connection Mm -hmm. to those people. Mm -hmm. I mean, have you ever had the experience where someone has given you like the most like perfect gift? Yeah. And so it's not just about the thing, right? Uh It's about feeling like somebody really understands you. Right. And all of us, I think at some level fundamentally are looking for connections in our life where people get us. Mm. And so I think when gift giving is done haphazardly or done poorly, it doesn't just have the result of like, Oh, I didn't get the thing I wanted. It has us feeling unseen and disconnected. Yeah. And so I think that sometimes like giving a crappy gift (laughs) does more harm than like showing up with like, but I brought something. Right. Yeah. Um, I just had a question and it happens to me all the time and it just escaped my mind. <laughs> um, I'll have to think about it as I come back to it. Um, we were talking about connections. Oh, belonging. Um, how does like this concept of gift giving and that connection play into this concept of belonging. Mm. We as women in particular are conditioned that um, in order to belong, that we have to be doing something Mm. that we have to be filling some need for other people. Mm -hmm. And so one of the most powerful gifts we can give ourselves is to let ourselves fit belong even when we show up with nothing to do nothing, right? Like, no, I will not be cooking the meal. I will not be bringing the gifts. I will not be like making sure everybody's well taken care of. I'm going to sit here, (laughs) you know, like, um, because so often our actions are driven by, it's really subconscious, but so, you know, driven by that need to like, I have to prove that I'm worthy of being in this room with these people, getting their love, having their gifts, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just not true. Mm-hmm. And I think most of us don't give ourselves the chance to see that. And as a result, we hold up all these things in our life that really we don't need to be holding up, but we're holding them up because we think it's what gets people to love us. Mm. Um, so, um, well, my question was, where does self-love Yeah. Okay. Okay. That we're going. Okay. So, so in that vein, if if I really love myself and believe that um, I could show up without a gift, the act of giving a gift actually feeds me too, Mm. as opposed to I get the exact right gift in order to like have the thing that I want here. And so then it, it comes from a place of like doubt or scarcity or not sure. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that sense of like, when, 
when you give a gift that you give because you genuinely want to give it, mm-hmm. like you don't actually doubt that you belong. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Yeah. It does. Um, now this is super a abstract. No, it's great. <laughs> so good. Um, this is a concept that I've almost been wrestling with of like this concept of self-love. Um, but how can there be self-love without the other? And I know women, including myself, struggle with this concept of giving for that worth. But how do we step into that worth in a way that's also reflecting the love that we have for others? That's good. Um, How would I describe this? So (laughs) at most, like, um, we need to get better at receiving. Mm. That's the most practical thing I could say mm-hmm. is that um, is that many of us like don't know how to accept compliments or gifts or love just for whatever, right? And so we push it away, and then as a result, we feel unloved. Uh-huh. And so, um, and receiving doesn't mean not giving, but um, but increasing that muscle um, both lets us let the love in. Mm-hmm. And it helps other people know us more deeply, and sh- and one of the things that like many of us I don't think fundamentally believe is that like sharing who we really truly are with other people is an act of giving in and of itself. Mm. I love what you just said right there, and where my mind goes right away um, is safety. How do you know it's safe for you to be truly authentically your true self to give that gift to other people? Does it, and then as I'm saying that, my mind goes, well, maybe you need to be so solid in that of your own being and belonging with your essence and the act of giving and not needing that acceptance from the other person. Yeah. Should I, I mean, just answer my question. <laughs> You did in some ways. So like safety is um, an inside job. (laughs) Um, Nobody else can create our own sense of safety. Mm. Um, So what we are responsible for is creating the parameters under which we feel safe. Um, So, so it's, it's a really beautiful thing to be able to say like, I know and trust who I am so fully that I feel safe in any situation, right? Like it is really beautiful. Yeah. You can't just go from not that to that. Yeah. That's a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the way that you do the work is you, um, you create what I would call a container, right? That what are the set of specifications that are going to happen in this space, in this moment that I need in order to feel safe. Right. Um, and so that involves like knowing what you want, advocating for like, here's what I'm definitely not going to like knowing what you want, knowing what your boundaries are, um, knowing, um, and, and, and even like really basic logistical things. I'm going to come to Christmas dinner for two hours and then I'm going to leave. Um, and Christmas dinner is maybe not a great example, but like, um, setting the stage for, um, something that you're committing to that you can be all in with Mm -hmm. for a period of time. So as you're trying out this, these like new levels of showing yourself to people, doing it in baby steps, right? 
So I do this thing with women where we'll take a week um, of your life where I give you an experiment. And the experiment might be like, you're going to wake up every day for a week and the first thing you're going to do is something you want to do. And then you can get on with the rest of your day. Yeah. And so it's just that like, how how do I try it on? See, how do I commit to trying it on for long enough to see not the results of trying it on necessarily, Mm. but what tends to be way more useful is what are the feelings that come up within me when I do this fully? Yeah. Right? Uh Uh-huh. So like with my example of gifts or not giving gifts at Christmas, like I was like, okay, I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to see how it feels. And I learned a whole lot of things about me, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so that's, that's the point of doing experiments. And that's the point of learning enough about yourself. So you know what you want, you know what you need, Mm -hmm. and you know how to create the space to like share that with others in a way that feels safe and, um, and nourishing. Yeah. I know when we talked earlier off when we weren't on the show, you mentioned like a four quadrant, um, thing. Is that what you're referring to with like a container? No. Okay. Okay. So I, I just remember I was just like, Oh, this is really good. And I don't remember all what you're referring to. Can you elaborate on that for the listeners? Um, cause I know when you told me, I was like, Oh, this is super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said earlier, a lot of us give with the expectation that at some point it will come back to us. Right. Uh, Right. Yeah. And what we don't understand is that many of us spend way more of our lives giving than feeding ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. So this concept is called energy accounting. And oftentimes I, I tell people to, when people are tired and burnt out and um, just feeling overwhelmed with life, I ask people to do this exercise to just see. So if you were on a piece of paper to draw um, a horizontal, a horizontal line and a vertical line. (laughs) Um, And um, so upper left is um, things that I do that uh, for me, that give me energy. Lower left is things I do for me that drain my energy. Upper right is things I do for others that give me energy. And lower right is things I do for others that drain my energy. So then you set that paper aside. And maybe for um, 48 hours or a week, it doesn't really matter, you write down every single thing that you do in your life. I took a bath, I put my kids to bed, I made dinner. And you sort of make a note of like, was it draining or was it energizing? And then after you've collected that data, you map it on the graph. Mm-hmm. And you plot like, um, you know, was going to like see the Christmas lights downtown for me or for my family? Was I energized in that or was I drained? And you start plotting the things that you do in your life and you just sort of see oh, this is why I feel the way I feel. Yeah. Um, because often when, if you're tired, drained, overwhelmed, what it generally means is that many of your activities are, or, or like an, um, a lopsided amount of your activities will be in the lower right-hand quadrant, that like things that are for others that are draining to me. Mm-hmm. And you want to get your, 
you want to find balance. You know, you, you want to be filling the well as much as you're draining it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and most of us have the ten- tendency to drain it until we have to quit everything and then like go fill. Right? Yeah. And life doesn't have to be quite that way. Yeah. It can be really subtle too. Right. So it could be, I went on a date with this guy or with my partner and it was, um, we had a really great dinner and then he said this thing about, uh, I felt like he didn't respect the business that I run or something like that. And I didn't say anything. And then I felt tired. Right. So we, it can get really, really granular yeah. uh, the more you become aware of it. So for me, that thing, because I'm a little more advanced in the sense of like, most of my life is in that upper left-hand quadrant. I do things for me because they feel good to me. Right. Um, and so when I find myself feeling tired, it is often because I didn't have a conversation that I needed to have, or I didn't say the thing that felt important. Um, mm-hmm. Those sorts of things suck my energy because then I'm, I'm thinking about them frequently. Right. <laughs> right? Um, going back to kind of like the heaviness of the holidays and like some of the hard conversations, I know sometimes those aren't necessarily energizing and some of those hard words, I call them like weightlifting words almost, where you're exhausted after the conversation um, versus energized, but you did the right thing. Do you know what I'm referring to? Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if this is necessarily a question. Um, how, where does that fall into play, I guess, on the little square that we've built, even though it may have been something that needed to happen, but it wasn't, it, it drained you in a way that created that vulnerability connection between the two people, the conversation that needed to ha- be had. Got it. So two thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> one is one is that um, when most of us have those difficult conversations, we are not um, we're not actually asking the right questions, and so mm-hmm. the, they do end up being draining. Right? Okay. So, so the questions or the the questions to ask yourself before you have conversations like that are, um, what do I want and what do I need? Mm-hmm. Anything else? is like taking you off the path to solve other problems that would go away most likely if you were answering those two questions really honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the first piece. The second piece is that um, I have this um, uh, practice of if anything is in my head, like if I'm thinking about something, trying to solve something for more than like 12 hours, it means I need to, t- like, I need, like, I need to do something with it. If it's stopping me from being in a place of flow with my relationships or my work or my life, mm-hmm. it needs to get out of my head and into a conversation. What's the thing that I need to say or do in order to keep this moving? And not necessarily moving so that I get what I want. What's the thing I need to do so that this energy doesn't get stuck? Because once the residue starts to build, that's when you create those conversations that are draining because it's been so long since I have addressed anything. I'm coming in with a ton of things that I got to get through in order to get back to clean. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So really addressing things in the moment as much as you can or addressing things that are lingering before they build up. Right. Um, 
because man, that's really where that's, yeah, that's an important place. <laughs> yeah. And then also having that, like coming to those conversations, once you have gotten the residue clear, like, okay, here's what I want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, not going along with this topic, but along with the topic of like the energy in energy out type of thing. And you gave the, I think the example of going watching, um, Christmas lights or something like that. Um, where does boredom come into play with that? Is that energy out? Cause like that, when you gave that analogy, I'm like, I would just be bored sitting in the car driving around that log. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's really good because like I said, I have this child who, um, man, we do some stuff that I, (laughs) (laughs) so for me, it, it has been, uh, well, so if I really can't, if I cannot be on board with something without like dragging my feet and being super grouchy about it, I say no. Uh Um, and like no amount of me feeling that way is worth anybody else's satisfaction. Mm. It's just not. Mm-hmm. And so it might be like, oh, I know you really want to do that, but I'm going to get your dad to take you. <laughs> or, <laughs> I'm going to get somebody, I'm going to find somebody who would love to do that with you, right? Because right. it's not fun for him to be watching Christmas lights if I'm like, this sucks, can we leave? Right. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. And then the second thing is part of, um, I think what you said, really, like boredom for me is an indication that I'm taking myself too seriously. Oh, okay. So for me, like I used to be like, I am so important. I do not have time for this. (laughs) (laughs) And, and getting to the place where like I unleashed that kind of sillier, more playful, like, let's just do this because it's going to be hilarious for five minutes. That has led to, I don't get that bored anymore because I'm just really like amused and entertained by life. Um, and I know that I can create fun kind of wherever I am. And so, so I think that that's like my relationship to like needing to be like focused or, um, productive or professional. Like I think that all of those filters really get in the way of us enjoying our lives more. And so there are times when we think we're bored, but we're really just not fully participating in the thing that we're Mm. available to us. I like it. I'll have to work on that. Yeah. (laughs) We know how that goes. No, it's good. (laughs) That's so good. Now um, I'm kind of shifting gears off topic. With the holidays, there is the new year, and I'm curious if you have any advice for those who are like, not necessarily strict with their goal setting, but a lot of times near the new years and everything, everyone's like, oh, this is going to be the new year that you, the new me, Um, and everyone tries like the gym or their new hobby, and then it dies after the first month, right? I know I've done a lot of things within that first month. I'm like, okay, uh, going back to my old habits. Um, what advice do you have for people who really are willing and wanting to create change within their life and are ready to do it within this new year? Whoa. Um, <laughs> that was, <laughs> whoa. Okay. Um, you are who you are. Uh-huh. And you can change who you are. And um, 
so many things. Yeah. Uh, because I'm like, A, you don't have to wait for the new year. B, like, right. what do you, I think you have to know why you want what you want. Uh-huh. And like, if I wanted to lose 10 pounds because um, I thought that it might get me more dates, that's not the right reason. Right. Um, <laughs> and not that it's a bad reason. But it's not like we can't create lasting change unless we are connected to what it is going to bring to our lives in a way that is sustaining also. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and I'm just going to say this other thing because it's, it's like yelling really loud in my head. Yeah. Um, so women of our-ish age. <laughs> I'm a little older than you are. But so what happens is we, we are raised in this like primarily um, masculine-driven society. Masculine being um, achieve, accomplish, produce, like be really productive, be really accountable, always have somewhere to go. Mm -hmm. And so most of us don't have great relationships with our ability to just be mm. and do nothing and think and feel, right? Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that we set these goals because we think if we have something to work toward, we will get there. And I don't actually think setting goals in and of itself is a bad thing, but what happens to women who are reaching midlife is that they get to a point where their feminine energy hasn't been fed nearly enough and for the life of them, they can't make themselves hit one more goal because they're exhausted. Mm -hmm. And so I really discourage women who have been having this like need for rest and relaxation and like connection in their lives. Like the thing to do is not to go like try to lose weight or like set goals to like, um, I don't know why weight loss is the only goal I can think of in the year. Um, but, but that's like the one that you hear about, right? right. Yeah. Um, so it, so less about where you want to get to mm -hmm. and more about how you want to feel and how you can create that in your life every day. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's a lot of value in establishing practices. Um, but if you can, if you can, commit to a practice for the sake of doing a practice as opposed to what it's going to get you at the end, it will feel much more doable. It will also feel much more like generative. It won't take your energy. It will feel like something you actually want to show up for and you leave feeling like proud of yourself and accomplished and like, yeah, I did that today and I feel better for it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Yeah. It's more, I feel like what you're saying is more of like the journey of it versus like the certain outcome. Is that right? What you're kind of saying of just like, mm -hmm. make sure again, well, I'll just go back to that weight loss goal of like, sometimes there's lessons learned along the journey and that weight loss goal doesn't happen, but you're such a better person for some of those lessons as you try to move into. But if we stayed in that place of focusing on the process versus the outcome. Right. So com like committing to something, uh -huh. there's immense value in that, right? Like I've right. done um, like 30 day Brikram yoga challenges or whatever. You right. go to the studio every day for 30 days. 
And there have been day, and and I did that because I wanted to feel good, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted mm-hmm. to see what my body was capable of, but I also wanted to feel healthy and well taken care of, right? Mm-hmm. On day twenty five, I don't, I'm making that up, but like, right. I was like, I don't want to go. Okay, well, I said I was going to go, so I'm going to go. But I can hear really loudly the thing that is right for me today is to lay on my mat until I feel inspired to do otherwise. Mm. So, like. Committing to the process is one thing, but committing to the goal, I think, is often self-defeating. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, anything else? We're going to get close to wrapping it up. Anything else that you want to give the listener with this concept of the heaviness of the holidays? You know, the thing that comes up for me is the idea of um, protection, right? Like a lot of us continue in these, um, comfortable situations that, um, that we don't really love and that don't necessarily feel good to us because we're trying to protect something. Mm -hmm. Um, whether that's like, we're trying to protect against conflict or we're trying to protect against other people being disappointed, or we're trying to protect against like, having to tell the truth about what's not working for us. Cause once you lift the lid, right? Like you don't actually have control over what comes out and that can be scary. Yeah. But, but I also, I trust and know deeply that when we lift that lid, um, it's totally worth it. Mm-hmm. And like the satisfaction and the things that can be created as a result of like not protecting that anymore, um, can be a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, we're going to close it off. Strong ones, thank you so much for that, tuning in. If you enjoyed this or got some tips and tools for the holidays, make sure you share your love with the five stars and a review. And don't forget to subscribe as we build this community of spiritually being strong together. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. And other than that, we will be back next week. Thank you. Hey, Strong Ones, thank you so much for tuning in. You have heard so much about my spiritual and strength journey, and we have had amazing guests on this show, and I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear your ideas, topics that you may think would be good for the show, or even if you know someone who should be on the show, I would love to hear from you. The way you can contact me is a couple of ways. I'm always on social media. You can contact me through Instagram with a direct message at Anna score, Anna score, (laughs) Anna underscore Willard underscore or Facebook, Anna Willard business name, Anna Willard slash Ironwell train. Third way is to simply sign up for my newsletter that I send out weekly reply to one of those and I would love to hear from you on ideas that should be on the show or concepts if you want more of the science base more of the spiritual base or if you know again someone who should be on the show please let me know I would love to hear from you and wherever you may be on your strength journey so I look forward to connecting with you other than that guys stay tuned for the next episode Blessings on your journey. I am peacing out.